Hello and welcome to Castable. This is the podcast which brings on brilliant guests to pitch their dream music festival. My name is Matt Hoss and I'm the host and I'm here to guide you around their festival. Today's guest is an award-winning stand-up comedian, actor and writer. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome the extraordinary and highly wonderful Felicity Ward. Hello! Hi Matt, how are you going? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you today? I am pumped is how I'm going. I'm absolutely pumped to talk about a music festival. Tell you what, I think we had the best like pre-podcast chat because I think we were just like, music is our life, we're talking about that and uh, yeah. So uh, tell me more about that. Uh, How much does music mean to you, Felicity? Well, as I said before the podcast, uh, it's the only thing I would die for apart from my son. Um, It's... Yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 just everything. It's um, I was in um, I was in a teenage grunge band, all girls grunge band. Yes, really. Of course, I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> I should have done more research, but <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, how would you know that? It's from a, I'm from a town of fifteen hundred people, and this was thirty years ago. So yeah. Um, well, twenty five. Let's not <laughs> exaggerate. Um, what was the band called? Do you know? Do I know? Yeah. Do I do I remember that thing that shaped my life? Um, yeah, it was it was called Bastion, and in the nineties, you had to have like you had to have names that people like probably didn't get unless they were like cool. Mm-hmm. So it's the boy who reads um, the uh, the book in the movie, The Neverending Story. Oh, I got you. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, is it? I think it's, <laughs> it's exhausting, but. <laughs> That's uh, what teenagers are. I'll tell you, I um, I had a teenage band. We were first called um, Workstation Deviation, which I don't. I think at least Bastion's quite cool. At least it's a marketable name. But Workstation sure. Deviation, it's definitely yeah. Uh, it's what I definitely was, and I think still am. I still have that teenage angst, but <laughs> very yeah. very polite about it. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because we've got jobs now. That's why we don't have. We don't have time to just sit in our rooms and write poetry and lyrics. And just, why don't my parents understand me? Why can't... Yeah, anyway. What kind of music was it? Oh, we played... Well... Uh, I was a singer, but the thing is, Felicity, I can't really sing. Uh, so I love that's it. quite quite a crucial thing. No, I, I... no, Johnny Cash couldn't sing. He was a storyteller, though. Yeah, I well. We... I Were you a storyteller man? <laughs> Were you Johnny think... Cash? <laughs> if you mean if I screamed uh, Enter Sandman quite loudly, then yes, uh, that's oh, that's great. a story. Of, uh, um, well, it's uh, I it was it was short lived. I have to say, I um I I I don't think it was my uh, my forte. But I, I you okay. know I really wish I was in the band now. You know what I mean? But like uh, it was kind of a lot of rock. Uh, we did the thing is we were three three guys who did like different stuff so it's quite hard as a band i think we were the only people in north yorkshire who could uh play instruments so uh and uh, right <laughs> so you found each other yeah absolutely uh, so what did you play in your band i was the singer of course and then i Storyteller. learned storyteller <laughs> and then i learned my sister actually learned guitar and she taught me three chords and so i taught myself the guitar and so i was rhythm guitarist much to the chagrin of our actual guitarist who could play um so i was like i've written this song and i was our band's big well actually our drummer's biggest problem was she couldn't keep time um she could play drums but she couldn't keep time so we i remember we were like we had to when we were having band practice Mm -hmm. we called it the foot of god so whoever was tapping that's who we had to follow Mm -hmm. and so it was it wasn't always the drummer we took turns (laughs) We're like, Curry, look at Shannon's foot. Two, three, four, three, four. 
<laughs> it feels like very communal. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be just a drummer. It's, it could be everyone. It's nice. It, yeah, it's. I mean, I did a, actually did a podcast not long ago. I think it's called My Teenage Band. Yeah. And yeah, so this is um this is very much my world. It started there. I spent all my money. Um, during the, like any money that I made when I had a job, mm-hmm. um, I would go down to Sydney. So I lived an hour and a half away from Sydney. And so I would get on the train and go down there and I would see all age shows and mm-hmm. free, free in stores, record stores and stuff like that. And that's like from like 14, 15, 16, yeah. that's kind of all I spent my money and time on. Yeah, like I, 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 I can see behind me I got a lot of guitars and I just spent all my money on that, uh, everything and like and I would save up to play guitars as well. And the thing is, I wouldn't even know how... Uh, my second ever guitar I got was a uh, BC Rich Warlock, which uh, if you for the listeners at home, it's quite a very metal guitar, do you know what I mean? If, if, if you had to picture of like a, a, a Swedish metal band, that's the kind of guitar yeah. that they'll, they'll pick. And uh, uh, you could like raid a, a Viking village with it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's a it's multi-purpose guitar. And, uh, but I... I remember going to the shop to buy it, and uh, uh, there was uh, a very in- it was a small um, independent um, shop uh, called Ron's Music in Darlington in uh, County Durham, and uh, I uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, I want that one there, the BC Rich, and uh, he's like, do you want to listen to it first? I'm like, no, don't need to, just I want to, l- I just like it. That <laughs> and one. That's he- the one. He just put his face palm, and he went out of business shortly after that. And I think that was the reason why. Do you know what I mean? He just like he was upset by it so much. Yeah, he was too judgmental of his young, <laughs> budding musicians. Like, I want that guitar. Do you want my money or do you not? It's like a uh, yeah, but also yeah. may I add, I was also that asshole when I was younger about music. So there were bands that I stopped listening to because my popular girlfriends started listening to it so i'm mm-hmm. like oh my god if this is mainstream i'm not listening to it anymore why yeah why would you deprive yourself of music if there are kids listening don't stop listening to music because other people are you are only hurting yourself <laughs> yeah absolutely and I, I think particularly as comedians as well like i speak for myself but i feel like i'm an outsider a lot of the time so if and that, i think that comes from a teenage uh, like music taste but like oh i only like the things that outsiders like you know I mean, yeah, I, 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 and, i'm uh, so edgy yeah <laughs> As you can tell for Sam, very edgy. Yeah, yeah I mean, me like, too. Uh, yeah. You know what I love? I love rules. That's what I love. If I'm perfect, I love structure, boundaries, rules. Tell me how to do this right and I will do it. I can't wait for your festival. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs> I've put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> I like to hear that. But before we get to your festival, um, the kind of intro question I usually start with is um, if someone were to ask you, what kind of music are you into? How do you typically respond to that? Oh, you know what I don't say? I like all kinds of music. Yeah, everyone does. Yeah. Everyone likes all kinds of music. I listen to eclectic. Everyone does. Yeah. You know what is eclectic? All kinds of different music. And that's what most people listen to. So what I, how I usually answer that is the music that I DJ. Mm-hmm. So the the music that I, like when I DJ, I only DJ at comedy festivals. And it's sort of, it started by a complete, accident the first time genuinely an accident mm-hmm. um where the adelaide fringe festival was happening and i was doing a show there in an area called the garden of unearthly delights mm-hmm. and there was a there's i'm not sure if you've heard this it, uh, my friend's a dj and he puts on a show called hot dub time machine yes i know that yeah it's fantastic yeah so tom's a mate of mine and when he was starting out um he was probably like a year into doing hot dub and it was just selling out every night in adelaide mm-hmm. so it's a saturday night 
they've got a, a venue that's empty that can hold about 500 people standing, right? Mm-hmm. And the site manager came up to me or the venue manager for the site came up to me and we're mates and he said, Felicity, hot tub sold out. There's 200 people trying to get into that show that can't. Do you want to DJ? And I said, I've never DJed before. And I said, all I've got is my laptop and an iPod or like my phone. He's like, that's fine. We've yeah. got the deck set up. I'll just plug those two in. He showed me how to use the crossfade. I mean, I'd literally never DJed before. Oh my God. And I had a microphone and I just started playing music and we ended up having to um, do a lockout because it was like, it was too full. I had three people ask me if I, they could hire me for DJing. I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> oh so my God. That's it was insane. amazing. It was like a dream. And then the next night I did it like Adelaide, um, at a Rhino Room in Adelaide, which is a small comedy club where they have DJs in the, and I, yeah. it was like, not great. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, this is harder than I thought. It's not, <laughs> yeah. That was a one-off. Yeah, because that first time you must be like, wow, I'm a natural at this. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of like when you do uh, start doing comedy, you do like a really nice room. It's like, wow, I'm pretty good at this. And like you do like the open mic spot <laughs> Yeah, yeah. to like two people who don't give a fuck. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, yeah, yeah you're like, it's... should we get live at the Apollo now? Because I've done my first five. Probably, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but that, but that's a great story. That that um, I, I think that's, I think I've literally had that dream before. That's... Everyone's, ha- every comedian has had that dream, absolutely. And it's like, um, so the kind of music that I play when I DJ is I play Motown, I play nineties R and B, I play turn of the century hip hop, I play indie dance floor fillers, I play ladies anthems, eighties mm-hmm. power anthems, and Disney songs. That's strong. And I I kind of like, when you sent over your music to me as well, it was a, a really, you only sent three artists over, but there were, there was such a net, like, I don't want to say eclectic, <laughs> but, but yeah, there, there was such a range of uh, stuff there. And it was, uh, yeah, very interesting to hear that. And uh, I love that list you've given me there. And when I was a teenager, I used to go out to like clubs and stuff like that, but I'd hate the music. But if you were DJing when I was a teenager, I would absolutely love that. That'd be fantastic. I would love to listen to all that stuff. You know well, I mean? mate, I still DJ, so you're in luck. I'm gonna, yeah. I've got to do an online one. I keep saying I'm going to, but oh my God. I've got a 90-year-old neighbour downstairs and I just don't know how to do it without pissing her off um we'll figure it out i'll yeah. do a, i'll do one before lockdown okay that's my that's my pact well, I've, ma- to... I've said it here matt <laughs> okay i've said it here yeah we, you're, this is contractual by law and right. you, you will be prosecuted if not uh, if but... it's on a podcast <laughs> brilliant so um we, we've talked about um some of your experience at festivals and stuff like that but have you been to many uh, like music festivals and uh, outside of working there yeah i mean well Yes, I used to go to music festivals all the time when I was younger, but the amazing thing about like working at music festivals is it's like it's the dream. Like the, you do the gig, fine. You mm-hmm. do the comedy gig, fine. But my dream is to go to music festivals and be able to use a toilet backstage. That's it. <laughs> That's perfect, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So like do it yeah, it's it's sort of like this incredible byproduct of doing something completely different stand-up has opened so many doors for me and let me live out so many teenage dreams mm-hmm. uh to quote katie perry um <laughs> who i'm not averse to i'll let you know that right now so it, you know like I, I always wanted to be an actor when i was a kid and then when i started doing stand-up that's when i started getting acting work and i was in a band when i was in a kid it was when i was a kid and then as an 
an adult and as a comic, I get to DJ and I get to go and do gigs at incredible music festivals and see like bands that I never would have seen, especially over here. There's such an incredible culture of music festivals and that they go for days. Whereas Mm -hmm. in Australia, there's a a handful of festivals that do it for a couple of days, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of folk festivals because they, you know, they go for months. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like all your big music festivals, especially in the 90s, were usually one day. You know, the Mm -hmm. big day out was uh, the biggest one in Australia. Uh, That was one day. I think when the V Festival came over for the first time, it only ran for a couple of years and it was not like V Festival over here. How is it different? Do you know? Well, I mean, the one that I went to was just a 90s dream. It was was like Pixies, Beck, uh, Jarvis Cocker. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing that I should say too when I, when I describe music that I love. There's a lot of 90s in there. I mean a lot of 90s. Like you say eclectic, but you mean 90s with a, a, some seasoning, you know. Yeah, i, I got to be honest. Like um, with a lot of um, – with uh, with our other wonderful guests as well, there's been a lot of 90s as well. I think I think a lot of people are just like, just take me back to when I, when I was happy and just when things were normal. Just go back to when I was happy. It's also <laughs> like an age group thing where um, – there's a very there's a satirical Instagram. They just make music satire um, headlines, mm-hmm. and one of them was it's it's decided that all music aged thirteen to seventeen was actually the best era of music that ever lived. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, and that's what it is because that's the music that changes you. That's the music that affects you. That's the music that you hear and you go that describes my life. And I didn't know there were words and feelings for that. And sometimes. Sometimes it's not even the words. Sometimes you just hear a guitar riff and you're like, how do you know that that's how I feel? How have you put in a guitar how I feel? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's like, it kind of resonates with your soul as well. And I know that yeah. sounds quite like wanky, but it's really true. Like uh, I feel that, um, a, as you say, like uh, the, the melody can catch a, uh, a feeling and uh, it, and it, it's not, and quite complex feelings as well. Not just like yeah. happy or sad. It's, uh, it's a, a mixture of both and there's an ennui and, uh, and I feel that it's a, uh, and to talk, I think with this podcast, what I find the strength with it is I, um, I think people who are like-minded um, understand that feeling, who understand the, mm. uh, um, that kind of music as another language as well. Like it's a uh, absolutely. I think it's a way that I I can feel and emote and uh, discuss my feelings as well. So. Yeah, and I think when you're a teenager, you don't have words for those feelings. You and you know. Even as an adult, I think if you went through the puberty again, you might not be able to describe what it is. But sometimes you hear something that either makes sense of it or gives you relief or gives you just you feel connected to the music and you don't know why. But you feel like that music understands you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, just before we move on to the, 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 the next part of the podcast, just for a quick question, which I don't usually chuck in, but I think it's quite a fun one. Have you ever crowd surfed? I have. Yeah. Not many times, though, which yeah. is ridiculous because yeah. I'm tiny. <laughs> yeah. I think I've crowds. Actually, I crowd surfed at Edinburgh Fringe. Oh, uh, wow. I think I, I think I crowd surfed. I could be making it up. I don't know if I did it on Late in Live. I think I did. <laughs> That's a fun one to do it at, yeah. Do you know, my memory is so bad. There is a show in Australia called Spicks and Specks. It's Mm -hmm. um, Adam Hill's hostess. It's basically Mm -hmm. our version of Never Mind the Buzzcocks, but friendlier. And um, (laughs) (laughs) it's not mean. (laughs) I realised the first episode I did of that, I was on with Alistair Barry, the lead singer of UB40. Yeah. (laughs) I just totally forgot that I've met the... I was on the same team. Yeah. 
as the lead singer from UB40, and I just forgot. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's the thing with I find with lockdown as well. It's kind of like it kind of, and particularly with uh, fringe nights as well. Like they kind of like mush like all those things. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, and it kind of like uh, that's also an essence of cool as well. Like uh, to you, it's not remembering, but to everyone else, it's like. Oh, it's so effortless. Like, it's just another thing that happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, a, it's oh. quite a cool thing, you know? Yeah, it's not at all. I don't ever want to be cool about music. <laughs> I don't ever want to think like, oh, yeah, I met that guy where it was actually a really big deal to my parents. Like, I find it very difficult to be, um, well, one, 40. <laughs> but two, to be a grown-up and separate. I, have a ch- I still have a childlike wonder. I still have a teenage-like wonder about music and about comedy you know like I've got friends that uh I've met people and I know people that I idolized when I started comedy and most of them we're just still friends now but some of them I'm still like I cannot believe I am friends with that person mm-hmm. that is so rad mm-hmm. and I, I totally agree and uh, there's some people in my life that I feel that um when I do uh, these podcasts as well, I feel that sometimes I've interviewed like people who um, you know mean a great deal to me, you know, and uh, uh, yourself included, uh, you know, like obviously, uh, if you oh, hadn't said that, I would have been very <laughs> upset with you. Yeah, into I'm the joking. waiting room you go. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I've got to go. I've got to pick up my son from nursery. Uh, Ten twenty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and but uh, you have to can be kind of professional about it because I remember um, when I was a uh, uh, when I was in my uh, last year at uni, I was doing my I did a master's degree, and I, uh, and I got the chance to interview Richard Herring, and uh, mm. and uh, he meant so much to me, and I was like kind of like uh, uh, my heart was like palpitating, but I had to like remain professional. It's like so, oh. tell me about about your comedy, and yeah, you know I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, you have to fight every urge to tell them that you changed my life. Yeah, and you see other people do it to your friends and you're like oh god like just back off and Mm. then when it's you you're like if i don't tell this person i'm gonna explode (laughs) yeah and i i do still have that but and i think that i would really struggle to do that in front of certain musicians as well like can uh, you tell me who i well i kind of feel that um i from the top of my head and but this is Definitely because I'm listening to an, uh, an audio book at the moment. Uh, but def- I think Bruce Springsteen would be someone who would oh, be really... Sure. Uh, I, I think, uh, and uh, yeah, I think that, that he means a lot to my dad and therefore me as well. Well, he's the uh, boss. Yeah, and I just feel that he's also he's also been the right side of history for the last, like, uh, 50 yeah. years. Yeah, I mean, he's... Uh, 50 years? Yeah. That's a long time to be right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, he's just a, just a good guy. And uh, and also, like, uh, I would love to, um, like, uh, the Beastie Boys would be great. And, uh, yeah. yeah, just... Uh, just uh, I, I think uh, they're also... on my lineup. Oh. <laughs> of course they are. It's, it's a good benchmark if the VC boys are on. Yeah. You know what I mean, <laughs> I, that's why I wonder with your podcast how much crossover there is with different artists. Well, it's interesting, and I feel that there are certainly some people who you won't expect who are more popular, and some people who haven't been picked before. I'm like, how have you never been picked before? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, I don't think Bruce Springsteen's been picked, uh, for example. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But Beastie Boys. Are, quite popular i would say probably the most popular is probably like beyonce or um joni mitchell's quite quite popular as well oh oh god they're great choices yeah yeah so uh yeah there's some uh yeah some great festivals out there but uh (laughs) that haven't happened yet yeah (laughs) but uh they will do because it happened on the podcast therefore it has to happen that's right um, but let's head over to the next part of your festival as we deal with some of the background information and admin. 
Hello and welcome to Season 4 of Castable. What a delight it is to have you back here. I hope you're enjoying this very special episode with Felicity Ward. This episode is actually slightly bit different, if you haven't noticed already, uh, that this is a very long episode. So this will be done over two parts and we'll pick it up next week too. Hope you don't mind too much, but it's just too good to not include it all. If you'd like to help support the podcast, because this is an ad-free podcast, there's many ways you can do that. You can follow me at Comedy on the social medias like Instagram and Twitter, and watch me do live performances on Twitch. I'm still doing Twitch throughout the summers and from 2021 onwards, so please do follow me there. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel at Mathouse Comedy. If you'd like to, you can also read my book available from my website, www.mathousecomedy.com. It's called Purify. On top of that, make sure to join the Patreon where there's extra bonus content every single week. If you like my streams, there's some stuff there. And if you wanted to help the podcast specifically, why don't you give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. The more you can do through word of mouth, the better. So do tell your friends. But more on that, put your feet up and enjoy the music of Castable. Castable, if you can hear me, I want you to sing along. Go for it. One more time. So this is called Setting Up Camp, and we're going to find out some of the background information, Felicity. So what is the name of your festival? Do you know that's the only thing I haven't done? <laughs> that is, I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, what would I call it? Oh, I would call it um, the, the Chaos Smile Party. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a lot going on. Why, why Chaos Smile? Um, I just, I, I think I described it. That's how I describe myself uh, on on my WhatsApp description. <laughs> or maybe that's my kind of comedy is like chaotic smile party. I don't yeah. know. I like that's that. what it's called. Chaotic yeah. smile party. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't quite know your festival yet, but I kind of feel it's a very nice um, branding for it as well. And, Thank uh, you. Thank you so much. And whereabouts geographically is your festival in the world? Look, you've uh, just asked questions that I have not thought about. Um, I've... <laughs> do, you, uh, do you feel annoyed that I, I have asked these questions? That no, <laughs> no, because if I do want to pitch this, and we know that I will, yeah. um, I need to know that. I, it needs to be foresty, sort of, sort of um, with the same layout or a similar layout to Latitude. Mm-hmm. So there's big open parts, there's foresty parts, there's a lake. Um, that's what I need. Ideally... What would be incredible is actually to do this in the Kakadu National Park. Uh, oh wow! Yes, that that would be incredible. However, you would have to hire a lot of rangers, park rangers for alligators and such. You know what? It's my festival. We're having the Kakadu, yes. and there's going to be a shitload of rangers. Okay, <laughs> and crocodiles, and crocodiles, <laughs> and we're going to speak to all of the Aboriginal elders, and they will do all of the checks to make sure that it's not affecting the environment or the animals, and all the all the money. Well, all the profits will go to preservation of Kakadu National Park. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that already. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really nice thing to do. Uh, and, yeah, especially keeping it, like, neutral as well, like uh, uh, making it good for everyone is really cool. Yes, uh, environmentally sustainable and neutral. Definitely up for that. Is there going to be camping at your festival? Do you like camping? I don't love camping, but uh, there is going to be camping at my festival. Uh, there are... 
three different areas. Uh, they are we are here to sleep at night camping area. <laughs> then there is we are likely to party at night camping area. Yeah. And then there is we have kids camping area. <laughs> and that's do you know what? You've kind of you've uh, you've kind of pitched a really realistic version and quite a quite a good idea actually. Yeah. You know I mean it's like the we're here to have fun and we're we're here to have sleep for the love of we're God. We're here for the music. That's what the sleepers are. And people who have kids, when you hear other kids going nuts, you're like, Yeah, I get it. You you don't I like I think when you have a baby anyway, mm-hmm. anyone who has a kid under the age of five mm-hmm. remembers what it's like to have a baby. Mm-hmm. I think is maybe as your kids get older, you forget about, you remember your own horror, but mm-hmm. you forget to have maybe compassion when a kid is screaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just, just having a moment there as a mother of a one 16 month old baby. Oh, bless you. But yeah, like it, when I, whenever I hear kids screaming on the street outside, I like the other day I heard these two parents and a baby crying and they pulled the car over, put my head out the window and went, are you guys okay? Do you need nappies or something? Yeah. They're like, no, no, he's just thrown up on himself. I'm like, okay, do you want me to bring some wet wipes? Like it's just, well, no, it's just once you've had a baby, you're like, I got to help anyone else I can because before I had a baby, I was so, and I mean, I have, I have. 26 cousins. Mm-hmm. I've had babies wow. around me. Mm-hmm. I have cousins around me. I have kids around me. I have a niece. I've got lots of, you know, lots of experience, but I have never understood until I became a parent. I'm like, oh my God, I was so selfish. Like I haven't, <laughs> I had a friend who had a yeah. two month old, three month old baby. Mm-hmm. And she's like, do you want to come to my house or shall I come to you? I'm like, oh, why don't you come to me? Oh my I God, will yeah. never, ever yeah. do that again. And I feel like, to be honest, I'm glad you kind of said that because I feel like I'm quite a mindful person, but also I haven't had that life experience yet to kind of understand oh. that I have done that. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely been like, uh, well, why don't you come to me? I yeah. always go to you. And um, but yeah, I uh, just <laughs> don't be a dick, Matt. But yeah, I uh, yeah, that's um, you know, that's something I'm gonna put in my life to kind of be uh, be more. Uh, of a better person in that regards as well. It's just you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know how hard it is. Like I used to, as I, I couldn't understand why parents couldn't have a five-minute shower. Yeah. I'm like you're telling me in three days you just haven't had five minutes. Mm-hmm. And the answer is no because living, having a baby is like running a cafe and a laundromat while there is a baby crawling around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's, you don't have the staff. Yeah. And so when I was like seven months pregnant or eight months pregnant, um, my husband's best friend had had a baby about a month before, two months before. And I posted something and they're like, uh, if you are a friend of a, ba- of a new parent, go over to their house, do their dishes, do their washing up, make them food. And I was like, God, that's a bit forward. Yeah. And then I had a kid. I'm like, somebody come over here <laughs> and please make me food and make me like, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Wow! Oh my God! You've given me a lot to uh, to digest there as well. And uh, um, I, what I was going to do there, firstly, I was going to segue back to the festival aspect of it, but I felt that was yeah. a bit too crude. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're here to talk about festivals. No, but um, um I, I, but I do want to say that, uh, yeah, I think that's a, it's a really salient point as well. And uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for uh, uh, discussing that with me. I do appreciate my that. Public service announcement, yeah, announcement for all the people who have friends who have babies that yeah. think they're doing enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I'm going to be so forward now. I'm going to be like, right, I'm coming over to your house. I'm going to clean the shit out of it. And like, yeah. We're actually fine, Matt. Actually, yeah, our child is uh, 10 years old, so we're fine. But I was like, they no, I'm doing it. love it. it. Doing love it. it. <laughs> no one's going to go, no, thank you. We don't need cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, talking about how, um, dealing with a lot of things at the same time, uh, um, what is your role at the festival? Are you there uh, to be uh, a partier? Are you there going to be behind the scenes working all the time? What, mm. is, what do you feel you're going to be doing and contributing? Oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm, well, I'm the, obviously the executive producer and creator and director. Um, <laughs> I think that what I'll be doing is a lot of overseeing. Mm-hmm. Um I will have a, a site manager, I will have festival managers, um, that they'll be dealing with a lot of the nitty gritty, but I'll be doing lots of walking around, seeing that people are enjoying themselves, think, mm-hmm. seeing that people are doing things safely and that that's being um, implemented. And then I'll do a couple of, I'll introduce a couple of my favourite acts. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. That's what I see. Yes. Oh, I, you know what? I love it when... Um... Um, people introduce a, a musical act because it doesn't really happen much at festivals. They just kind of walk on and people yeah. cheer. And I, I think it gets the hype so much up as well, particularly for a big band as well. So, uh, yeah. I yeah. Think, uh, I, I, would you, do you reckon you're quite a good hype man? Uh, hype yeah, I mean, if, yeah, if I'm talking about my a band that I love, not a problem. Like mm-hmm. I got to, I got to open for Maria Bamford about... Are you joking? Three oh. years ago, I think. Wow. Just yes. the greatest gigs of my life. And every night it felt like I was introducing Santa Claus. <laughs> and that was, I've never seen a London audience that excited because she'd never been to London. She'd mm-hmm. played Edinburgh before, but she'd never been to London. And so I did my opening 20 and then I would bring her straight on rather than mm-hmm. um, like there being a break. And I've, I've just never seen the giggliness and the excitement and the childish joy that these audiences had. It was amazing. Oh, that's so good to hear. And, uh, yeah, I, I love Maria Bamford as well. Uh, yeah, I, um, you know what? I feel like this This has happened quite a lot during lockdown, but for me, this episode makes me feel very nostalgic for the past, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm very much looking forward to a post-COVID as well, but, like, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, this is hyping me up for the future, so... Uh, yeah. Without revealing the lineup, how much would you charge per ticket? Oh, shit, mate. This is an expensive festival. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't, this sounds really bad, but because I, I mostly play music festivals where I'm working, hmm. uh, actually exclusively, I don't know how much tickets. It's like a three day weekend camper, like 120, 140. Nowadays, it's usually about two hundred and twenty. Uh, so it's kind of gone up in the last couple, uh, last decade or so. But uh, right. yeah, um, it depends which festival. But around uh, two hundred plus quid is about for uh, for all, all all festival all weekend. That's uh, yeah. That's... All right. Well, I mean, this is definitely a this is definitely a two hundred quid festival. <laughs> this is ease. I mean, we're bringing some people back from the dead. So let's say it's. <laughs> It is. This is a. This is a two fifty festival. Okay. Well, to be honest, I thought that's quite. That's quite uh, cheap considering. But because I, I thought is that how much is the regular like two hundred? Yeah. Let's make it eight grand. Yeah. <laughs> per yeah. Ticket. yeah. Well, um, I want it. To, I want it to be able. I want people to be able to go. I don't ever want to price people out, but I want to be able to pay people properly. So basically, what's happened is this is a two hundred and fifty pound ticket, but two hundred and fifty uh, pounds is 
it should be 500, but half of it is being subsidised by the government because they've realised by the time festivals come out that the arts are actually imperative to our culture and to uh, our economy. And God. so that's 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 the revelation that the Tory government <laughs> are, are going to have yeah. in three months' time. And so this will be in 2022, this festival, maybe right. 2023. <laughs> I uh, I like how you're talking about it as if it's uh, inevitability. Like it's going to, it's definitely going to happen as well. So, and I think if we, after this, after this recording, if we try our hardest, we can make this happen. You know, I'll, I'll be yeah. working on a, a time machine or like a, a resurrector, like a Lazarus machine. And uh, yeah, we, we'll do all of that admin. It'd be great. A- apart from the, the <laughs> one of the stages, yeah. everything else is possible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We could do this. Yeah. Get ready in that national park. Get ready. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The Australian government. Are gonna... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say <laughs> the, the Tory Australian... government. The Tory government are actually going to do it. Um, they're going to, no, they're going to recognise their part in colonisation of Australian <laughs> Indigenous people. And so they are actually going to be providing the funds. It's going to, all the money that they paid slave owners from the yeah. West Indies, yeah. they're going to return that money and they will have so much uh, there'll be some left over. Obviously, all of it will go back to black people yeah. uh, that were enslaved. Um, and then as an extra gesture, the Tory government will donate money to Indigenous and First Nations Australian, First Nation people. You know what? I, I might have to get this that, this festival tattooed on me. This is so yeah. good already. I, and I haven't even heard any of the artists yet. So yeah. let's, let's go and remedy that and let's see who is playing on your main stage. About to drop some matches like I know I should But I just remember that I left it in the club I don't know how I'll get my high I take a look around and know I sigh But then my salvation, it comes through Cause I'm inhaling pure O2 Cause I'm going into the oxygen tank Cause I'm going into the that was actually quite disappointing. So in this part, we're going to be looking at all the different artists that you have selected. Um, so what I've done is, sorry, I'm just doing some adjusting. I have a full spreadsheet. I'm just letting you know. Oh my. God. Okay. So um, do you want, I feel like I want to give you the framework of the festival Please because do. there's, I want the layout and I want to show you how it starts and stuff. Please do. So as you enter, like when people are first entering, when they're bringing, uh, they've, they've set up camp so people can, uh, can set up camp, but as they come in to the actual festival, there's one main entrance and the hot eight brass band are playing and they're yes. like, second lining stuff you know like that just turns into a people don't get past that Mm -hmm. um for a while so that's a bit of an outdoor party welcome to the um the festival um and that's how people walk in um at each each day so friday saturday sunday there's a main stage that Mm -hmm. has a different theme each day (gasps) love it so on friday the Mm -hmm. theme is change your life yes so everyone that you see there will change your life. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, on Saturday, the theme is queens. So it's just <laughs> 10 queens in a row. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And then on Sunday, it's dead but not forgotten. So they're all dead people or yeah. people, bands that involve a dead person. 
Oh, um, that's tell you what. Like we've had some themes before, but this is a strong theme. So uh, things that will blow your mind on the first day, mm-hmm. you, you get empowerment on the second day, and you have like a uh, reminiscing and uh, connecting with the past uh, on yeah. the uh, on the third day. And I feel that. Like that's going to be a revolutionary thing in your life. We talked about teenage uh, uh, kind of idealism early, and I feel like this is the this is the whole festival for that. You know what I mean? It's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's two stages per day. Brilliant. The other, the there is the day the change your life day on Friday. There's mm-hmm. also a side stage called '90s Forever. <laughs> of course, yeah. Of course, and each of the bands are just playing uh, an album from start to finish. Yes. Yeah. Except for two bands, which can play whatever they like. Um, <laughs> and that's a good question to start with as well. With uh, You've already said you love rules. You said you'd like uh, some kind of stipulations there, which are absolutely allowed in this uh, podcast. But yes. do you feel that, will you be telling people what stuff they can and can't play? Or is it kind of free reign? Or are you like, you must do this, this and this? Well, uh, look, the, the 90s Forever is actually the only band uh, the only stage where people are required to play what's what I've asked <laughs> yeah which seems you know uh questionable but no. fuck it <laughs> it's my festival god damn it <laughs> yeah brilliant where would you like to start would you like to start on the 90 stage or would you like to start on uh, your main stage well, I've got two more stages. Oh my god! Please take us through it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So Friday is change your life stage, change your life stage, and nineties forever stage. Saturday is Queen stage and a, a stage called Their Hours, and they're all Australian or Kiwi bands. Yes. And then on Sunday is Dead but Not Forgotten and Dance Goodbye. So <laughs> they're all like they're all the bands that you saying goodbye, like you saying goodbye to the festival. Yeah. But they will all make you dance. Oh my god! Yes. You've put a tremendous amount of thought into this as well. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm currently just organising the last, the the running order. Yeah. <laughs> last minute yeah. changes, yeah. Well, yeah, I just don't, I, like, there's 10 names there, but they have to be in order, obviously. <laughs> I, this is what I mean, when you, when you hear this lineup, I think you go, shit, I think we could make this happen, or I really want to make this happen. Okay. Yeah, as soon so, as we get that funding from the Tory government, we're, we're on the roll. Here we I go. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> So on Friday, Change Your Life, um, each day starts with something called Welcome to Country, and that is where an Aboriginal elder comes out on stage and welcomes you to the country that you're standing on. Brill, that's lovely. Um, and it's done, it, it, well, it's done in some political areas, uh, arenas in Australia, and then it's, uh, it, it shows respect that you're on Aboriginal land, basically. Um, so Friday lovely. starts off pretty gentle. It's a French artist called Camille. Camille. She's an a cappella artist. Um, and I saw her, God, maybe 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she has an album called Le Fil, uh, F-I-L. And I think mm-hmm. it means the, the line. So she yeah. has one note that runs through, like at, verbally one note that runs through the entire album. So wow. the note starts, it goes, ooh, and then every song starts on that note. And then that note fades away and it can go to other places. So wow. it's it, it's a concept album, but I don't understand a word that she says. <laughs> Not a word. Yeah. Such is the power of music. But when yeah. I heard the album, mm-hmm. I was just, I, I'm, I'm transformed. And so I would love, uh, it's the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. It's a gentle introduction. 
people are not three pills in yet. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think um, having Camille to, to opens really. Yeah, I think that's really cool because like uh, sometimes I think how you start a festival is very indicative for the how it's kind of go on. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. I feel like uh, sometimes people go for a big rock energy, but I think having that kind of like the acapella soft intro is kind of it's like kind of like a. You're just dipping your toes into the festival, you know. You're you're getting warmed up, you know. You're uh, you're gonna have a nice time there, you know. What I mean, like it's just like you have you're putting up your tent, having some nice acapella, you know. It's nice. Yeah, totally. And it's probably starting later than you know. Other days will start earlier. The the stages will start earlier, but because it's a Friday, not everyone's gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to. It's this whole festival is a journey. I've written it as a journey. Each stage is a journey. <laughs> And the whole festival is a journey. <laughs> I kind of feel that in lieu of Edinburgh Fringe this year, you, you spend your time building this festival. It's got a narrative arc, you know, there's lots of uh, uh, the callbacks in it as well. Matt, you don't know me because if I'd just done Edinburgh, I would still be doing this. Music means everything to me. I, I did a, I did, literally did a um, certificate for in music business skills, which was about band management and publishing music and licensing music. And oh, my God. Yeah. Like this was, I was, uh, I managed a band for a very short time. I put on concerts. I put on a couple of dance parties, like um, EDM nights. They were called dance parties back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dance parties is like the discotheque of the 90s. Yeah. I'm going to a discotheque. I'm going to a dad's party. Um, it sounds like some of like an undercover police officer. I'm going to a yeah. dance party. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to take these disco biscuits. <laughs> Obviously, you're silent disco biscuits at your festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Silent disco. Oh, P.S. I came up with silent disco when I was 18 years old. What? Yep. It's it was around before that, which I didn't know. Yeah. But I came up with the same idea when I was eighteen. I'm like, we should do. It was just when infrared headphones had come out, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, we should do. Uh, uh, well, I'd I'd love to create like a dance party because of noise restrictions. Because we were having them in houses, mm-hmm. I was like, imagine if we all had like infrared headphones and like everyone was dancing around and you could hear the music and everyone was hearing the same music as you. Yeah. And my boyfriend at the time was like, mm, I don't think you'd quite get the vibe of a dance party. I was like, okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is do not let your boyfriends shit on your dreams. I think that's a very, uh, very powerful thing to say. So after Camille, let's, let's go through the other artists on your main stage. Let's see who else you have. Okay. This is really random and I'm, this is, I don't know if they're going to change your life, but all I know is I've been listening to a lot of style council lately, yeah. specifically shout to the top. And it is, it's just one of the happiest songs ever. Yeah. So we go Camille and then we go into style council, which again, people will like get up and move to, mm-hmm. but they might not, they don't have to lose their minds. You can listen to style council or you can dance to them. Mm-hmm. People will come, especially for the nostalgia and uh, you know, the older, it's going to be the oldies that are there right at the beginning of the day. Yeah. They're going to be the ones that are there. Um, so they'll be loving Style Council. Then we go to Sigrid. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Who I just adore. And her album Sucker Punch is far out. It's one of those albums where you're like, how did this not get nominated for every pop category? It mm-hmm. is, it's almost a perfect pop album, start yeah. to finish. And I'm sure that she's not her only songwriter. Mm-hmm. But they're it, like lyrically, they're so cool. And they're really young, but I just I just love Sigrid. I think yeah. she's a joy. And I, uh, if you do know her, then you probably will have seen her "Don't Kill My Vibe" set at Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. Oh, which yeah, so good. I was like, yeah, I want to watch that for an hour. 
Yes, absolutely. And uh, with the artists so far, how much have they impacted your life? Uh, is it just because, like, do you think they're they're awesome, or do you have they kind of changed any of your like philosophies or beliefs or anything like that? Or? No, that's what I mean. Look, there's. I would say maybe the dead but not forgotten stage and the 90s forever stage, they they really shaped me. Mm -hmm. But these are people that I've either seen live or would like to see live Brill. Yes. that I think will uh, will have an impact on you if you haven't seen them before or if you have seen them before. Yeah. I love that energised feeling, particularly with an artist you haven't seen before or, yes. uh, or don't know that much about leaving, being like, wow, oh, my God, yes. how cool was that? And yeah. When you walk past a stage and go, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then within a minute, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I love it. Yeah, absolutely. It's the ineffable, um, just like euphoria. Do you know what I mean? I feel yes. like uh, you don't have to describe it. It's just perfect. And uh, yeah, and um, I'm not sure if you ever get this, but like I remember as a teenager, like going to see bands and I would do a lot of revision beforehand. So I knew the songs there, but there's sometimes yeah. the songs you don't know that well, but you love because of it. And you like, you listen to it repetitively afterwards and be like, wow, that's so good. And you kind of get like remorse that you didn't know that song at the time to go down to sing along. Yes. To, but that's what I get quite a lot when I go to see bands. Well, my friend used to host a radio show in Australia and um, he was like a mate of mine and he knew that I loved music. And this is, I mean, they were probably big amongst kids, but I didn't know because I am 10 years older than my mate. And yeah. he said, I've got tickets to this band called Bonnevere. Do you want to go and see them? I was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. So I went along. I'd never heard Skinny Love before and I cried. Oh I'd my God. never heard yeah. this song before and I burst into tears because it was like, it was him and a bandmate, and they were both on tom drums. Mm -hmm. uh, and then someone else was playing guitar, I think. And it was just haunting. It was it's such a beautiful song. Like, it's understandable that you would cry when you hear that. But yeah, seeing absolutely. it live yeah. at the, where was it, the Forum in um, Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I haven't got Bonnevere on here. Tell you what. Uh, I, I'm from North Yorkshire, and uh, sometimes I, I have um, a quite a thick Northern accent sometimes as well. And mm. uh, I realised that <laughs> uh, with Bonnever, I've been calling them Bon Iver for such a oh, long time. Yeah, you know I, mean? I love it. <laughs> bon Iver, mate. My uh, my mum uh, calls Les Miserables um, Les Miserables. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> so it's true. Um, so uh, after Sigrid, uh, tell me who you got. Then we go into a look. This is actually very sort of Sunday afternoon, but mm. I'm putting it here anyway. Uh, Wilco, do you know Wilco? Yes, Wilco. Yeah. yeah, and they could very easily go on 90s forever. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But they did have they put out albums in the 2000s as well. Um, I absolutely adore Jeff Tweedy. I love Wilco. I love their first three or four albums. Um, mm -hmm. The music I've heard after that I liked, but I haven't followed. I just happen to have the other albums. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I just think that they're incredible musicians. So I think the musicianship would be wonderful and you would be getting a great alt-country rock experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of feel that they're not very – I don't think many people know them. I, I kind of knew them through listening to, like, different podcasts and people recommended yeah. them. And uh, – and I, I never quite got. In, I tried to get into that albums, but I just, you know, when you just ha you listen to lots of different stuff and it just didn't quite stick with you. You appreciate mm. it, but it didn't quite stick with you. But I feel yeah. like if I saw him live, I can be like, that's where I need. So you just need to find the right glue. You know what I mean? I, glue wise, I would suggest watching their documentary. Um, Here we I, go. Uh, I'm not. What is it? I'm trying to break your heart. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's about the making of the album Yan Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the album that you tried to get into. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So if you watch the documentary, it's incredible because uh, he, like, every, I mean, 
everything fell apart. Like their record deal, they hated each other. Mm -hmm. His marriage, everything was breaking down and it didn't even look like it was going to be released. Mm -hmm. So it's really, and how they recorded it, how they got some of the noises Mm -hmm. and created some of the atmosphere and the lyrics on that, it's just, it's so painful. Like there's a really chipper song. I can't remember the title, but um, the opening line is the ashtray says, You've been up all night. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Bleak. Come on. But it's like, the ashtray says, <laughs> you've been up all night. And then there's songs that, that I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to break your heart. And mm-hmm. his voice is like this tiny, crumbled, cigarette stained, bare wheeze. And mm-hmm. you're just with them the whole time. And it, it, I don't know, it might help you. It might not. It might be one of those things where you're like, I don't want to have to watch five episodes of a show to get it. No, I, you know what? I was just talking about the glue and I think you talking about it then that's all right. I'm going to go back into it, you know? Um, so yeah. give it another go. I Who cares? Yeah. So after Wilco, who have you got? This is exciting. I have never seen him live. Uh, Frank Ocean is my yes. next artist. Nice. And nice. I just think that he would be, I was supposed to see him at Bestival and he pulled out and I think it was the same year maybe Azealia Banks pulled out as well and they were the two artists that I was pumped about seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's extraordinary. I think he's like a songwriter of our generation. I think musically he's a visionary. Um, when I first heard Channel Orange, I really liked it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't my thing. And then I listen to it again. I'm like, actually, that's good. And then five listens in the, like, I'm, I've been sitting on a genius. I have been sleeping on this man who is a genius. I, I love the kind of, like, I think it's unfair, but the first thing that popped into my mind is like the Stockholm Syndrome effect. We listen to an album the first time. I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. But mm. then it's just like, yeah, it's not bad. And then, like, by, um, as you say, album listen number five, it's like, oh, God, I love it. Oh, I must get it tattooed on me. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like, yeah. And I'm not sure what it is. I think it's maybe, maybe like, you're cracking the surface. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you kind of get that first listen, and then, like, you kind of chisel your way down. And uh, sometimes yeah. you get there straight away. But I kind of feel that it with her, we're quite, you know, it's layered. So there's lots of stuff going on. Yes. You, uh, it's like Great Gatsby. You can't just get it all in the single uh, run through. You have to kind of go back and uh, appreciate it. I mean, I did not get past 20 pages of The Great Gatsby for that reason. I was like, I don't know what people are talking about. I'm bored. Yeah. Having well, said that, Great yeah. Expectations, I was reading the first 100 pages going, oh, my God. And then under, after 100 pages, I'm like, oh, right, it is a masterpiece. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah, Charles Dickens is very upset with you. And uh, he will not be attending this festival for that reason. But like, no. Uh, um, but yeah, Frank Ocean, that's a great show. And uh, yeah, so who are the final five acts of this main stage? Okay, I'm just going to swap an act now because then I'm going to say, I'm going to swap one, like the position for the other. So Kanye West is next. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> hello. Whoa. Do you reckon Kanye will be happy with that last minute swap? Not my problem. <laughs> play it or don't play it, not my problem. <laughs> so yeah, Kanye West. So what, um, who did you swap him with? I swapped him with Beyonce. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Beyonce, Beyonce. I mean, and she's still going third last. She's not closing. Yeah. Wow. That. I mean, like, that's that's a lot, right? Because like, if you're moving Kanye, it's got to be someone quite big. And Beyonce, it's not even like headlining. And I feel that. You know what? I think I'll be very overwhelmed on this day. I'll be overwhelmed for yes. the whole festival. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. To have all of these. If I'm perfectly honest, you could probably drop Camille to Wilco 
and you could have them littered throughout the day on other stages. Mm-hmm. If you just went Frank Ocean, Kanye West, are you ready for the next one? Yeah. Stevie Wonder is next. Oh, baby. Oh, hello. Yeah, 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 yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. So Stevie Wonder, I saw Stevie Wonder at Bestival and oh. every song I was like, you can't play that. That's your biggest hit. I said that for two hours. <laughs> it's The yeah. man has no B-sides. Yeah, absolutely. And he plays it like he's launching a new song, like he's debuting his – I say debut. I'm sorry. You can make fun of that. My husband does. He's English. Yeah, every song was like he was so excited to play it. Mm-hmm. He is the most – I mean, it feels it feels a little bit insulting to put Stevie Wonder where he is, but I also know that the man is 75 or something. Yes. And he, I don't want to I don't want to waste his time. And he just wants to get to the uh, camp section where he wants to sleep. You know what I mean? He's, he, you know, he yeah. just you – know, go and have some rest, mate. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm changing the name of this – I'm calling this stage Black Power, and I'm actually Ooh. starting with Frank Ocean. Gotcha. And we go Frank Ocean, Kanye West, Stevie Wonder – Beyonce. Yes. I've seen Destiny's Child twice. They were incredible. You're joking me. I've seen wow. Destiny's Child at peak Destiny's Child. <laughs> you make me very jealous and I'm not. I'm very <laughs> old, Matt. I'm very old. <laughs> it's not jealousy, it's age. I've just been around longer. <laughs> Bless. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where you're going to go from here, though. But like, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so is Destiny's Child playing, or are they just uh, no? Uh, yeah. They'll just feature like like Beyonce's Coachella show, which yeah. is like one of the greatest. It's one of the greatest live performances that I think will ever be made. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Didn't they join for the Super Bowl as well? Was it? Am, am I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think that's nice. I think that they you know, it'd be uh, it'd be upsetting if they didn't do those. Uh, yeah. every now and then as well. But have you ever, have you ever been to Coachella? Or, no, it's no. always on at the same time as other comedy festivals in Australia. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah, I'll go one day. Yeah, I'll well, go. Well, they'll be coming to us, uh, you know, with our festival, you know, because obviously. <laughs> okay, you ready for the next one? Take us away. Yeah. Stevie Wonder, Beyonce, Outcast are next. Oh wow! Okay, interesting. Now, yeah, I wouldn't have necessarily put Outcast above those people, but uh, tell us why you you have. So Beyonce was actually a last minute entry. I just literally forgotten her. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how. I've forgotten the biggest artist in the, on the planet. Um, and she could easily play again on the Queen stage mm-hmm. the next day. If Beyonce played three days in a row, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> Which she would have to die by the third stage. but um, Yeah. Uh, she could do half-hour sets. Yeah. She could turn up and do ten minutes. She can do whatever she wants. Yeah. But she could do different things on different days. Like, uh, imagine, like, an acoustic number one day. That'd be sick, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. yeah. And then Destiny's Child the next day. Yeah. See? Yeah. It works. It works. Yeah. But, yeah, so Outcast. Uh, do you feel like, um, what's your connection to Outcast? And do you, have you seen them live? And how did it make you feel? I haven't seen them live. They're one of my great sadnesses that I haven't seen live. I hope that I will be able to see them again. I think that Andre 3000, again, is a visionary. I think Big Boy is a... Everyone, like, goes on about Andre 3000's rapping, and it is extraordinary. He is top five. But Big Boy also is amazing. He's like Buster Rhyme in speed. Mm -hmm. But I just think that they would put on an exceptional show. I think it would be art. Uh, they make me excited. They challenge, you know, when um, Lovebox Speaker Below came out. I just, I think they're just artists. Yeah. And I, like real artists. And I think they put out futuristic music that people 
if they put it out now, people would go, oh, what a cutting edge album, double mm-hmm. album. Because I feel like I, I don't really know the back catalogue of Outcast. I certainly know, um, you know, like obviously do Hey Yar and some uh, Roses mm. as well. Like, uh, mm. And I, I, can't, I feel like I got into like uh, um, some of the bigger hits later on in life. But yeah, like particularly Roses as well. Like, uh, I, um, Roses is a fucking tune, mate. Yeah, I play so, that when I DJ. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, uh, Caroline. <laughs> I, I take that quite a lot. Uh, you know. Because uh, uh, my my partner's name middle name is Caroline, so I go Caroline. Yes, like that, please. It's a very very fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I say very fun, but it, it she hates it. <laughs> yeah, she's she leaving me. <laughs> Can I get you some roses? Uh, yeah, and uh, that's obviously. Uh, but yeah, so Outcast is um is a nice and yeah, I think visionary is a, the right term as well. If you had to sell someone on Outcast, like uh, what album would you start with? What where would you push that? Yeah, person? Love Box Speaker Blow. Perfect. Nice that's one. it. <laughs> nothing more nothing less don't Get listen in. to any Get of in. their other music <laughs> <laughs> and uh finally uh who is who is the headliner of the stage because i like i don't know which way to turn now it's, it's kendrick lamar of course of course kendrick lamar now i saw him yeah. oh god now i don't know how long ago it was the last time he was in london i saw him and james blake opened for him it did not seem like the right pairing. It was at um, the O2 Arena. Uh-huh. And uh, it seemed like a bit of a nervous, not a nervous crowd. There's just like people were cutting in line and it was just a bit, sh- there was just an angsty vibe that I didn't really gel with. And then we got in and it was literally Kanye on stage by himself mm-hmm. for an hour and a half. I think there was a live band underneath the stage, which you really could tell. I hate arena sound. I hate that. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. It's really hard to make rap interesting for an hour mm-hmm. and a half. It's re- And often with when you're listening to um, hip hop, it's very much an audio experience. The beat are making your, your rib cage rattle. You're listening to the... Um, dexterity of the rapper or the or the, their tempo their lyrics and so when you see them on stage sometimes it can be two guys crossing over walking up and down and mm-hmm. holding the microphone up and it's a little bit muffled and yeah absolutely that's like a huge generalization but it, sometimes it's difficult to i've found as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, but when because also because kendrick had a live band but it wasn't that he's just extraordinary Mm -hmm. he's an extraordinary mc artist performer poet vision like i know i keep using the word visionary that's what these these people do to me like when i when i see when i saw him live we were all just mesmerized Mm -hmm. and we're playing um he played the album after to pimp a butterfly the hit from that anyway yeah he, he did that acapella Oh, wow. And he, he got, all, uh, like, he got to one part and he cut the music and the whole audience did it. And he said, let's do it again. And everyone did it three times. And everyone was, like, we were nearly screaming by the end. Like, just, just like, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like, when I was a kid, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me, I reckon, when I was a kid. Me and my cousins got into our nan's pool 
and we ran around in a circle for so long that we, we created a whirlpool. Yeah. <laughs> so we all got carried around the pool. Yeah. And that's kind of what, what it was like, that we'd created so much energy in the room. It's like we could put the lights on with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've painted such a vivid picture. Yeah, there's many things you just said that I'll kind of come back to. But yeah, I, I, I think some of the most electric live gigs I've ever been to in my life is when... It's when everyone in, in the same room is there together, whether it's an yes. arena or yep. uh, a small venue. It's when everyone is on the same page. Um, yep. I'm wearing a T-shirt with Jeff Rosenstock, who's a, a modern punk artist uh, from mm. America. And uh, he was in London and uh, uh, I, I saw him there. I, 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 live, I literally traveled on the National Express down from, um, the, from the north. Uh, yeah, but, but it was like, a, and he performed and like, I've never been to a gig before where the crowd barriers in the first song were just like they were destroyed because they were just trampled and we're all up against the speaker. Everyone is literally jumping. Everyone knows all the words and like it felt like like a life changing experience for me. And uh, uh, yeah, it was a. It's like a homecoming. Yeah, absolutely. Where everyone like it's like you've all been waiting for this. You've all been waiting to see each other, and you've all been waiting to see him, and you all knew that you were invited to this party. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone turned up. And it just, yeah, you're, you're so right there. Cause like, I feel like uh, most of the time when you are, when I talk about music that people don't really know about, it's uh, people are like, oh, that sounds cool. But like, they, they don't necessarily know about it. But it's when you're in that room, but everyone who's felt like that is in the same position. And it just yep. means so much to me, you know? Yeah. And that's the, you know, like, it's the same with stand up. Online comedy is, I actually really love doing Zoom gigs. I absolutely love doing gigs from my bedroom. Why Mm -hmm. wouldn't I? I'm being paid to sit in my bedroom, right? (laughs) But on those nights, like those Maria Bamford gigs, Mm -hmm. we were all just making something together. There's Mm -hmm. magic in the room and that's what happens with all, is possible with all live performance. Mm -hmm. There is the possibility that you are going to create something so magical that it will change your heart forever. Yeah. You know, uh, that's the magic of live performance, isn't it? You know, it's just, it is. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I feel like um, your experience with Kendrick Lamar really echoes that as well. And I think that's yeah. Uh, and and I know you changed the name, but I can see why you call it Change a Life. You know, because like mm. uh, yeah, it's uh, and it's nice to see that it's um, it's so positive and it's such a good reinforcement in that way. So uh, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, so um, <laughs> I, so I mean, that that's was... one stage out of six. <laughs> Right, should we go to your 90s stage and just smash that out? (laughs) I'll just smash these out. I think we all know what the 90s mean to me. I think I've been very explicit about this. (laughs) If anything, we'll have to redact everything you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to, like, edit some out. Do you know what I just realised? Yeah. I am wearing a best-of-all cardigan. I saw it earlier, actually. Yeah, it's very nice. And I love love your RuPaul shirt as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the the cardigan is my husband's. He used to work for the music management that worked with Bestival. Wow, cool. Yeah, so he was like an operations and a tour manager for entertainment artists like the Cuban Brothers, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think they're called the Tootsie Rolls and uh, DJ Yoda. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, so acts that are musical but sort of had a performance element to them too. So 90s forever. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to play the album, yes, of my choosing. <laughs> so yeah. Counting Crows are playing August and everything out after. Yes, just a defining album of my teenage years. My mum bought it. We all listened to it. It's one of the only albums that I put on, and I don't realize I probably know eighty percent of the words. 
just mm-hmm. from listening to it, not from studying it. Mm-hmm. The second band, which is actually could be dead but not forgotten, is um, Blind Melon. Yes, yeah. The album Soup. Um, no Rain is not on this album. Please go and listen to Soup. It is extraordinary. Again, it's very, it's a lot more country than you expect, but it's like indie and lots of slide guitars, but grunge at the same time. It's an exquisite album. Mm-hmm. Next up, Garage Band, and mm-hmm. they're a, a, a Kiwi band. The album is called Last Exit 2. And if you ever wanted to hear what a New Zealand band is like that listens to the Pixies and uh, Ben Folds 5 and Weezer, oh Garage Band are in. That, I think you've kind of like summed up the, uh, the you know, the kind of the... Uh, the um, Venn diagram. The Venn diagram of Hoss there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. So li- listen to Last Exit to Garage... Uh, sorry, not Garage Band, Garage Land. This is what happens. <laughs> I was thinking Garage Band's a very odd term. I thought, like, yeah. is Apple copying them? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, Garage Land, gotcha. Last Exit to Garage Land. Yeah. Um, next up is Custard. They're yeah. an Australian band. They, they're one of those bands that should have been worldwide. They're just amazing. They sort of did kind of slacker rock-like pavement, yeah. but a little quirkier um, and just really, really fun. And I adored them. And that album is amazing. Um, then we have The Breeders' Last Splash, which is one of the greatest albums yes. of all time. Yes, yes, yes. I saw The Breeders the last time they were in London. I cried five times spontaneously. <laughs> just cried. One I of them because th- I thought they'd played that song already and they hadn't. <laughs> I feel we have to go to a gig together and we're going to just cry and laugh at the same yes. time. It'd be very yes. magical. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, so the next one is the Wise Guys, which are a British big beat group. They, I think they only put out the one album, which is The Antidote. That yeah. was, I was massively into big beat. I loved Wise Guys. And in fact, if I think about British music, the, uh, the genre that I listen to the most of British music is big beat. I listen to Wise Guys, Propeller Heads, Fatboy Slim, Chemical Brothers, Basement Jacks. They're kind of like, I don't know, did anyone else make... <laughs> big beat music yeah yeah there's a lot lot going on there but uh in, in terms of uh how many other acts have you got for your 90 stage because it's already a packed one. Oh, it's 10 per stage man T- 10 per stage got you <laughs> every single so then the next uh, i mean we've still got three to go um the next act is weezer one of my oh. all-time favorite bands right we're gonna have to I'm, I, we promised to smash through this, but we're going to take a pit stop here. Hello, Sh- Weezer. Let's chat. Uh, yeah. Um, let's. So you're told. Um, so which album are they playing? They're allowed to play a combination of the Blue Album and Pinkerton. That's it. Yes. <laughs> so Blue Album is. Um, if you had to describe Weezer to anyone who didn't know them, uh, how would you describe them? Indie power pop rock, and yes. Blue is one of the most perfectly produced albums of all time. Absolutely. And that's uh, what I would say. It yeah. is like a shiny spherical ball that's been polished. There is not a glitch in it. There is not a a mispitched note. The guitars are warm and crunchy and I, I just I feel yeah, and there's also there's a range as well. It's not it's not just the same kind of like uh, pop punk aspect all the way through there's mm. a, a even tr- range in the same songs as well like uh like saying so is, is like oh. very sl- like slow and kind of like sexy yeah. that is a very <laughs> sexy song like when you're a teenager and you're listening to like people talking about 
beers in like the cooler at a party like maybe a guy will kiss me that's what i that's all i could think about i would just fantasize to that song that's all i would think about <laughs> you know what i never kind of uh i didn't know that about that album but next time i listen to it i'm gonna think felicity ward's like she's gonna fantasize she's song. knocking one out to this <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't say that, but I just <laughs> no, no. I appreciate that you didn't. I just thought I'd put it out there. Thank you. I actually saw Weezer play the Blue Album start to finish, <gasps> and it was like the most amazing middle age gig. Mm-hmm. They came out, they played a single from each of their other albums. Yes, yeah. So from every other album, they played the big hit, which is yeah. all I want to know from the other yes. albums. Yes. Play yes. Island in the Sun, yeah. play um, Hash Pipe. Like, they're yeah. great. But I don't want to hear the rest of the albums because they're just not as good. Well, here's the thing with Weezer. And I kind of, I feel like I have a complicated relationship with Weezer because I, I remember... Everyone does. Yeah, it's because uh, obviously the Blue Album's fantastic. And I would, I, I love Green Album as well. I think that's my that's the first one I bought from them as well. And so I kinda, Again, I'm I, old. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that they... The rest of the albums are quite there's there's some banging tunes on them, but if you're an album deep dive, goodness me, what a slog! But like, uh, but also they're not album bands. Yeah, it's I and I feel that like they're trying to capture a lot of what they had for Blue Album, which is kind of like trying to put like a uh, trying to recapture magic, which is quite difficult to do. But uh, yeah, and but also I, I saw them live as well. I saw them live twice. I saw them in 2010 at Leeds Festival, which was one of mm-hmm. the most one of the best gigs that my brother and I yeah. saw in my life. Like, it was, yeah. like, they were electric. Uh, they kind of, like, you know when you start off a gig going, hello, there's something in the air. Uh, like, yeah. that, like uh, and, like, he come, um, River Kumos come out with this uh, football and start, like, like doing keepy-uppies on stage. And uh, the whole gig, he was totally on. It was, like, he got on the wall of the gig. You know how yes. there's a barrier around? He, he left the stage, got on the wall, got people to climb up as well. And it was just, like, it was crazy. It was fun. And it was amazing. And my brother and I were... Like like we were total uh, totally hyping over Weezer for a year, and then the next year we went oh. to separate festivals. I went to Sonosphere, which they were playing one below the headliner, and then my brother went to V Festival, and they were playing at Sonosphere first, then V Festival the next day, and we were kind of like, "Ooh, so hyped for Weezer!" Yeah. I was so hyped for Weezer, I was at the front, and I waited like for a lot of bands I didn't really like Babe. to see them. Yeah, and uh, it was just Fine. yeah yeah it was yeah. It was fine. And it was yeah. just like, oh, it was crushing, crushing. But it well, was good, though. Was this good. was at the Melbourne, uh, the Sydney Meyer Bowl, <laughs> which is in Melbourne, ironically. Um, <laughs> it's an outdoor gig. It's like a natural amphitheatre. Mm-hmm. The first half, they played, as I said, a song from each, uh, a single from each of their albums. Mm-hmm. Then they had an interval Thank you. Where they played a 25-minute documentary on the making of the artwork of the Blue Album. And then they played the Blue Album start to finish. Yeah. It was the perfect Weezer album. I left the next day to go to the States. If They, they did this thing that if the Blue Album sold out the next night, they'd do Pinkerton. Yeah. So I couldn't see it because I was in America. And I was very sad about that. But I got the Blue Album. So for Honestly. 90s Forever stage, mm. I'm saying you play whatever you want from those two album guys in whatever yeah. order. Oh, and uh, I love it when you go to see a band and they do like a full album as well. It's, it's Just, nice. It's lovely. I love that because you're like, this is the one that changed me. Yeah. The audience are going to love you. 
there's some bands who were like, yeah, it's our 25th anniversary of this album. It's like, no one liked that album. No one liked that album. <laughs> it's, it's like Metallica of... going, it's an anger. And you're like, no, <laughs> no one's coming to that tour, friend. I, I love you. I, I love that so much that you repick say anger because that is, again, um, uh, Metallica, one of my favorite bands, and that's definitely who I was referencing. <laughs> well, that's, um, yeah, uh, that's some kind of, is it some kind of monster? The it's documentary? A documentary? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was about the making of that album, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm, yeah. it's such an incredible documentary and then such a terrible album. Well, I have quite a, I think I've got quite a controversial opinion for uh, Say Anger because okay. um, I'm, I'm a Metallica fanboy, but I, I actually like Say Anger, but it's not a Metallica album. It's, uh, it's, it's like, I like how they experimented with it. And I think some, sure. you should always get, especially for a massive band like Metallica, to put something out there which is totally like different from their usual stuff and like uh, you know uh, different they they kind of failed but i kind of i appreciate them for doing that because like trying. It, yeah and like and they tried again with lulu with lou reed and metallica as well which is i think it's the same botched experiment but yeah i can't i you know what like what other multi-million like raking bands are putting out some weird and uh unique radiohead like yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> what I did was uh, I, I, I left, I said a rhetorical question, which you destroyed. And yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm just looking at them. They're, they're coming up in two bands time, so. <laughs> oh, you foiled my plan. I'm sorry. No, but they are a lot more commercial and they always have been. Well, I don't, my husband is a, he's a huge metalhead and Metallica yeah. is his, probably his favourite band as well. Mm-hmm. They're more Opeth. Sure. Yeah. yeah, Metallica are very much like they just kept doing better versions of themselves. So I suppose an angle was experimental in that regard. However, I ha- I do have to say, um, in defence of Metallica, like um, in the la- they they were kind of shamed from doing Saint Anger in the future, and I think there are some good songs in there, if a bit rough, but also. In the last couple of years, they've been kind of getting more in touch with that, and they're starting to like reopen it. And if you, mm. there's a version of "All Within My Hands" uh, done on Symphony Metallica Two, which is when they have mm. an orchestra with it, and they they make that song yeah. like so good. Like it's, my husband's it, played that to me. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And I feel like that's that's the beauty of that. I love how they're able to kind of go back and reimagine it, and I just think that that's mwah, perfect. Hey, um, I'm just giving you this recommendation because you like metal. Um, yeah. My husband has discovered an Australian band called uh, Twelve Foot Ninja, I think. Twelve Foot Ninja, and nice. they've been recording during lockdown. And um, he sort of has a vocal style of Mike Patton, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. it's sort of like that epic, yeah, like saga rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But it's it's worth having a listen to if you're into metal. Thank you so much. You know what? I feel like we're both coming away with a lot from this. <laughs> I know. I mean, we haven't even got through two stages. <laughs> All right. We're so, getting through this. Yes. So we've done Weezer Blue and Pinkerton. The next is Pixies. Now, Pixies are, yes. they're my number one. They're my number one all time. They can play whatever you like. Yeah. Um, they had never played Australia. So when they broke up the first time, they'd mm-hmm. never played Australia. So really? I was like, oh, I'm never going to see the Pixies play. Mm-hmm. Then they got back together. I saw a video, a recording of them, like one of their first sort of get back together, like just a side fest- a side stage at a festival and they mm-hmm. were not very good. I'm like, oh, no, this is mm-hmm. going to be terrible. And then I saw them, and every time I've seen them, they've just been better. They're just better and better and better and better. But I can't see them now without Kim Deal. Yeah, it's uh, to be fair. I have seen. As we're talking about album shows, I went to go and see them do a "Come On Pilgrim" followed by Surferosa in its entirety, and it was when uh, it was in London about like two in twenty nineteen. Uh, I think it was so good. It was really, really good. Uh, 
How did, did I miss that? <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, kinda... maybe it was. No, that was because Kim wasn't in it. No, Kim wasn't in there. But and yeah. but because I don't really play Gigantic otherwise, because that's a that's a song which Kim deals the vocals yeah. on and uh, and uh, yeah, and they did do it. Um, it, it was it was good, but uh, I kind of feel with Kim, it's um yeah, it's. I feel that the presence is lost, and I kind of feel. I think people have argued before that she's the, she's very much the kind of the. Um, she knows how to structure the songs in the band, and I feel that's a, a very valid argument. I would say. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and she's an extraordinary musician, mm-hmm. and the you know the gentleness, and the the sweetness of her, vocals, mm-hmm. pitted against Frank Black's roar is mm-hmm. just this like ungodly harmony that's mm-hmm. like it's it sounds i mean ungodly in that it's well it's out of this world it's yeah. it's, it's unlikely but it's incredible absolutely i didn't really think of it like that before but like the juxtaposition between the roar and the 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 soft sweet um yeah is uh and that's uh, if you've never listened to pixies before um listen to it, it's um yeah it, it very much uh clashing is the pixies kind of it goes from quiet to loud it's very yeah. jarring and uh, um, but also like not in a way that it's unlistenable it's very engaging rock as well i would say uh, yeah uh, i think that frank black used to go to uh gigs and he just uh he'd listen and all the songs that he liked or that was successful went quiet loud quiet which is that's the name of the documentary mm-hmm. um about pixies which weirdly i don't think i've seen unless mm-hmm. i have and that was the b-side that i anyway i've got a terrible memory <laughs> But yeah, and he went, okay, one, four, five are the chords that are most, they're the catchiest. Mm -hmm. So it's very deliberate. It's very deliberate, which, and which is crazy given that they are uh, so, they're a seminal post-punk band Mm -hmm. and that so many bands quote them as an inspiration Mm -hmm. when it sounds so organic and raw, a lot of it is constructed. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. As, as I said, they're very inspirational like, to people like Nirvana and uh, yeah. uh, Radiohead, and uh, even people like Modest Mouse. And uh, it, the, yeah. their influence is um, so outstretching, really. And uh, if you had to pick one album they had to play, um, oh, which shit. one would you pick? This changes all the time <laughs> because uh, Doolittle's the first album that I heard of theirs, mm-hmm. and it's so amazing. Yeah. It's so amazing, and there's so many incredible songs on there. And I, you know, if you'd asked me five years ago, I go, "Oh, Trump Lamond wouldn't even make it." And then mm-hmm. I listen to Trump Lamond, I'm like, "This is incredible! Punch you in the guts, rip your heart out, fire you up. It's amazing. It has less Kim, yes. you know, a Kim vocally, but then you've got songs like Gigantic, as you said, and mm-hmm. you know." Bone Machine, all of these songs that are mm-hmm. like my favourite songs of mm-hmm. theirs, but the Surfer and Come On Pilgrim seem a bit more motley as far as albums are concerned. Mm-hmm. They're not as fluid, or they, they don't. Um, they don't all seem to be connected in some way. Doolittle is connected. Trompe mm-hmm. Lamond is connected, but yeah. Trompe Lamond's almost woven. Yeah, and uh, I feel like Trompe Lamond, um, as well as Bossa Nova, don't really get the same love as the first yeah. three albums as well. And uh, yeah, there's some really cool stuff on there as well. And like, uh, there's some really kind of um, the more sweeter and more kind of like, uh, um, 
yeah, kind of idyllic songs like Havelina or um, mm. uh, uh, Motorway to Roswell uh, on both of those yes. albums. Uh, so, like, I feel like they are, um, there's such a, there are a harsher sounds as well, like Alec uh, Eiffel or something like that. And, uh, uh, but like, it's, um, yeah, there's a lot of um, different, I feel there's like the really quality albums as well. And also like, they have a penchant for the kind of getting, there's like one song per album in there, which is like kind of a typical Nike song, like on Bossa Nova, Dig for Fire. That's like, you could hear, oh. if you put that out, that's like a perfect Nike song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I just think that song and reminiscing. Like that, <laughs> Digging for Fire puts you there. Mm-hmm. But actually, was Bossa, when did Bossa Nova come out? Oh, I think from the top of my head, 95, but I'm not. Oh, I, no, it'll be before that. Yeah, 1990. Oh, was it? Yeah, they broke, no, they broke up in like 91 or 92. That is so wild. They put out Tromplemond in 91. They put out Bossa Nova in 90. They put out Doolittle in 89. Mm. Those three albums came out in three years. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, and like it surprises me how uh, how we can kind of do that so much as well. It's quite like, uh, uh, I find this somewhat, it's like in the 70s, um, like I think David Bowie put out his like album, like early, early Bowie, like he put out albums every year and sometimes twice a year. Like in Elton John, early Elton John was doing two albums a year. It's like ha- How? How? It's like, it's like someone's doing like, yeah, I've done uh, two Edinburgh Fringe shows this year. It's like, go to it, go and yeah. burn in a bin. Yeah. Well, Otis Redding, who is on my Dead But Not Forgotten, uh, do you know how old he was when he died? No idea. 26. Oh, that's so He made that name for himself. Yeah. Before he was 27. Like, Mm -hmm. I know that there's a 27 club, but that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, you think, oh, Otis Redding, he probably died in the 80s or something. Like, you, there's, Mm -hmm. and he died in like 67. It's nuts. That's so upsetting. Yeah, Yeah, so upsetting. Um, yeah, um, so to kind of... <laughs> so, so to wrap up 90s Forever, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, 90s Forever, by the way, finishes on Radiohead. Oh, hello. So are they? is this stage playing at the same time as the other one? So is it yeah. all, all that, So you have to pick Kendrick Lamar or Radiohead, which is, that is a tough choice, right? I actually feel like that's a very cruel thing to have done. <laughs> and the other two days have easier probably have easier choices to make mm-hmm. but to be fair i feel like I, I think there's definitely crossover between the two friendships but i do feel that if you had to choose one or the other i think people um i think there's different vibes for both do you know what i mean so very again, different vibes yeah they're both, they're both very thoughtful do you know what i mean like and um, yeah yeah uh, so yeah uh, which radiohead album would you pick or is it it's, it's any up to hail to the thief gotcha so uh, yeah yeah, lovely stuff. So why 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 the cut off point there? Why um and what was uh what was your vibe you, towards Hail to the Thief? Uh, Hail to the Thief really felt like a revisit to their rock roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I have a funny relationship with Radiohead in that I adore them. And I when Kid A came out and um Amnesiac, mm-hmm. I felt a little bit betrayed mm-hmm. because I was very much into their rock and even you know slightly electro rock. But Kid A and Amnesiac just seemed like it was experimental and it was too dissonant for me. Like the the, the chords were too dissonant. It was mm-hmm. too challenging. Um, and I liked happy round music mm-hmm. um, that I understood. I don't like art that I don't understand. Yeah. It makes me feel stupid. Yeah. So I, st- I just, I heard Pyramid song. I've been in South America, in America for like six months. And I came back from traveling and I heard Pyramid song. I was like, what in the fuck's name is this? 
This is not Radiohead. <laughs> and so I just, I just never listened to those albums for like yeah. three years. Mm-hmm. And then there was a friend of mine, and we were doing like, um, we were doing music swaps. And he's like, "Why don't you give me three albums that you've never heard, uh, that you don't think I've heard?" Because we got into talking about Amnesiac and Kid A. So I gave him Rodriguez, Cold Facts. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Love Great it. documentary, by the way. And one of, Amazing. One of the, I think, the most uplifting yeah. documentary of all time. It's, oh. like, it's so perfect. Searching and, for Sugar Man. Yeah. Get and, it while you can. And talk about magical moments. Um, this, uh, please go and watch the documentary. Um, I'm going to just mention a bit, which is a, quite a pivotal moment in the documentary, where essentially um, Rodriguez comes back to uh, South uh, to Africa, where he's been uh, a mystical figure for years, and uh, um, he gets the band to play, and he comes on stage, and people are just applauding and applauding, and uh, there's a bass line to I Wonder, which goes, and it's usually four counts and you sing, but then it just kept on applauding and kept and just he lived in that moment because he lived in oh. obscurity for his whole life and had that moment it's that dj moment you were talking about earlier do you know what i mean yep. it's like kind of like here i am do you know what i mean like yeah oh god it's such an amazing what a baseline too just to yeah. start with that and Absolutely. then the, the simplicity of the guitar over it mm-hmm. beautiful Great album, great album. It's a great album. <laughs> this is less of a podcast now. It's just, uh, just uh, it's kind of. <laughs> Who do you uh... like? Who do you like? Who do you like? Who do you like? What's my festival, mate? I this, like all these bands. This, this is uh, the most fulfilling conversation I've had in lockdown. It's great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I bet you these records are going for much longer. I've done shows and I, I was I did a show for the Leicester Comedy Festival and it was mm. supposed to be an hour and it went two hours and fifteen minutes or something. Yeah. It was just like I need this. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah. Uh so when I went back and listened to Kid A and Hail and to, to Amnesiac, I was like, Oh my God, I have betrayed you. You have not betrayed me. Yeah. You've made these two incredible albums and I turned my back on you because you were trying something new and it turns out, what a surprise, it was also incredible. Yeah, enough about Saint Anger. Tell me more about Kid A. Yeah, oh. <laughs> sorry, yeah, joking. we've really got to stop, don't we? We've got. I mean, we have. We have still have. We still have four stages and my side stages to get through, which are only concepts. I was just teasing. I was just uh, do, oh. do, 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 doing a little um, joke little jokety it? jokes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, I think those uh, those early albums are so fantastic, and to be honest, I love I love all of Radiohead as well. It took me a mm-hmm. while to kind of uh, kind of crack that nut because it's quite. Uh, I had to start with the Bends because I think the Bends is a nice place to go into. Oh. Um, from a rock background, nice place to start. It's got love the it. melancholy of it as well, but uh, allowed me kind of get into your okay computer, and um, which uh, yeah, then therefore uh, allowed me to get into the other stuff as well. So yeah, it's like uh, the Benz was my gateway album. Do you know what I mean? It is. A, I mean, it, that's it, a lot of people that started there. It did for me as well. Um, when I say started, I mean I was there when it was released, <laughs> um, and old enough to listen to my sister's sister's CD. Um, <laughs> So that is, so up until Hail to the Thief, Hail to the Thief was a real return to their rock roots. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually, you know what? Whack in Rainbows there too. You can play in Rainbows. I, I, people liked in Rainbows more than I did. And I think it's an excellent album, but I suppose what I had expected from Radiohead up until that point is they were always doing something that I'd never heard before. And uh, I'm, you know, granted, I've not gone back and listened to In in Rainbows for a lot of years, like a lot of years. So at the time, it sounded like a better version of Block Party to me. (laughs) 
Yeah. It sounded like, you know how Block Party albums are really ultra produced and yeah. shiny and yeah. sleek and, you know, you listen to Planet Telex on Benz mm-hmm. and it's flanger guitar and it's yeah. these big splashing, um, you know, splash cymbals yeah. and it's very, uh, I don't know, it's very instrumental and you're aware of it, whereas In Rainbows is so produced that it, it, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's compression or what it, it is, mm-hmm. but... They sound like cubes that have been pushed out, and the song exists in a cube. Yeah. And maybe no instrument is louder than the other. I don't know. Yeah, so it's kind of like a an overproduced angle, and where it's kind of like, yeah, it's a, it feels less authentic, perhaps. Or it's, uh... yeah. And look, I'm gonna go back and listen to it again right yeah. after this. I've never listened to the King of Limbs. Whoa! Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. People have a kind of an adverse reaction to that because it's yeah. a very, I would say, quite a psychedelic album. But I actually, mm. I, I like it to uh, write to, actually. I think it's quite yeah, a right. kind of a chilled out album. Also, I think the final song on that, I think it's uh, Separator. Or, um, yeah, and I think it's just a very, such a beautiful end to the album as well. I, it's definitely worth a listen for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you listen to the most recent album as well? No, I haven't. I sort of, I, I feel like this afternoon I just have to listen to the rest of Radiohead. <laughs> Um, have you have you seen them live before? Uh, I have, but I curse myself for this. But like, I saw them when I didn't really like them when when I was a teenager. Oh. I didn't oh, understand okay. them. Uh, I saw them at two thousand nine. I think it was a Leeds festival, maybe maybe 2010 but i saw him and was like oh my god like that like why don't you just play creep <laughs> and oh, that's sure. that was yeah i i um i there's not a day that goes by i don't think about that moment <laughs> it's okay if you i i saw them in well i've seen them quite a few times and no i've seen them twice i was supposed to see them three times i had dance floor tickets i had to sell them because i was in a play I'm not still angry about that <laughs> nearly 20 years later. I'm not angry about it at all. Yeah. But I ended up getting tickets to see them in 2013 and I went by myself. It was like I bought it. I got it from someone who was selling the ticket on the day. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw them and I just could not believe how relevant they were. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be some cool guys that I've loved for a long time playing their music well. But like they're just a show. They're just unbelievable. Absolutely. Oh, no, I'm just, I don't know whether to derail this. I have a story. Yeah, go for it. Go, please. I am pen pals with Sil- Philip Selway from Radiohead. With the Are drama. you actually? What? Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Why? How? Can I be his friend? Um, he's the nicest man that you have ever met in your life. Mm-hmm. You cannot possibly fathom that he is one of in one of the most influential rock bands of all time. Um, he's like meeting someone's dad. He's just like a lovely, lovely, lovely man that, yeah, we did, um, we did a show together on BBC six. We did, um, a round table with Steve Lamack mm-hmm. and Philip was doing some of his own solo gigs for the first time. This is years ago. Mm-hmm. And I ended up telling him that I was actually a massive fan. And then I, he's like, oh, do you play music? Like what a great deflection i said oh, i used to i'm a bit of a bedroom rock star now <laughs> and um, you might have heard of us we're called bastion uh <laughs> yeah 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 um and he said i'd love to hear some of your music sometime i'm like what <laughs> and then we got tip talking and then when we were leaving he said i mean it i would love to hear some of your songs if you have any recorded so i got his email address sent him over some songs in a moment of madness and yeah then he wrote back like a month later with paragraphs of constructive feedback and questions Whoa. about it. 
And then I wrote to him a couple of months later just to see how he was going and he wrote back to me and telling he's like, sorry, I haven't got back to you. We've been busy. They were just like on their South American tour. Oh, my God. And he was like, if you ever want to come and see Radiohead, if they're ever playing, I'll get you tickets, which is the most incredible thing ever. And then this is, you know, when we're talking about people that we're friends with that we can't believe we're – I mean, we're not like – we're not mates, but I could write to him and he would write back and, you know, anyway – on a, on a, I just went balls out at the end of 2018 and I said, uh, look, this might not be your cup of tea, but I'm playing the Leicester Square Theatre next March in 2019. Um, and uh, I know you offered tickets to your show, so I was wondering if you'd like to come and see mine. Yeah. And he's like, is it okay if my wife comes as well? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, Philip Selway from radio, it's fine. <laughs> imagine, it's fine. Imagine if you're like, no, just you. I can't afford two, two guest tickets. Fuck right off. Um, like, plus one. Who do you think you are? <laughs> um, and then he and his wife, Kate, came backstage afterwards. And, yeah. you know, he wears a waistcoat. He's just, he's a lovely, lovely man. Oh, this is, um, this is Isn't very, that insane? Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, 90 stage done. Done. <laughs> Thank you so much for enjoying episode one of season four of Castable, and please give it up for our fantastic, wonderful, and awe-inspiring guest, Felicity Ward. You can follow Felicity at Felicity Ward on Twitter and all the other social media platforms. And also, why don't you check out Felicity Ward's website where you can see the latest tour dates. And she's fantastic. And do support her when you can. And also, if you could do, please support us by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And do share this podcast with your friends. And also, make sure to tune in next week for the finale and the second part of this Felicity Ward mammoth of an episode. Until then, we'll see you next week, and please give it up once more for Felicity Ward.